series from stressed to blessed, and we're talking about faith. Not just any faith, but the kind of faith that can move mountains, bring hope to the hopeless, and most importantly, change lives. When you have faith, you speak life, you speak love, you speak the things that you want to see happen. And when you speak those things, they begin to manifest in your life. Pastor Duane is going to be looking at how David used this kind of faith in his life. Let's get started with today's message, Words of Faith. So we're in a series of messages right now from Psalms 84. And uh, I just want to read our, our, our text from verses 4 to 7 and uh, get right back in where we were a couple of weeks ago. It says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, it literally means, the Baca word, it means weeping or mourning. It says they, they, they pass through the valley and they make it a spring. Now, you're not supposed to live in that valley of mourning. You're not supposed to live in the tests and the trials. You're supposed to go through the tests and the trials. Now, it says they make it a spring. Now, some people are of the thought, well, God's just going to do everything. But the Bible says it's up to you, that you make it a spring. It depends on what you do. Uh, In Mark 11, verse 23, which is where I'm I'm hoping to get eventually in this series, um, Jesus said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Now, according to Jesus, the mountain in your life is going to move, not when God wants it to move, but it's going to move when you say, Don't doubt and believe what you say. According to Jesus, the mountain will move depending upon what you do, not depending upon what God does. Now, let me just ask you a question. How many of you think Jesus knows more about faith than you do? So according to Jesus, it depends on you. And that's what it's saying here. It's saying you pass through the valley of weeping. It says they, that's you and I, we make it a spring. The rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Now, the, the last time, two weeks ago, we were talking about 1 Samuel chapter 17 when we ended. David, young shepherd, leaves the sheep. His father has sent him to bring some food to his brothers who are with King Saul, and they're facing off the army of the Philistines. On one hill are the Israelites, a valley in between with a little seasonal brook that runs through it. And then on the other hill, the army of the Philistines. They've been, they've been there for 40 days. And every morning and every evening, a giant by the name of Goliath goes and stands in the middle of the valley. And he defies the armies of Israel. And he says, send me a man to fight. And if I kill him, you will be our slaves. But if he kills me, we will be your slaves. The Bible says that when the Israelites hear it, they're so filled with fear that for 40 days, they keep on withdrawing from the battle line. And they're they're like, nobody wants to fight this guy. This guy is huge. This guy's about 10 feet tall. And by the way, they they figure he weighs a little over 1,000 pounds. This this guy is not some, some little dude. And he's saying, 
send me somebody. Now, when David hears about it, David's response is different. He says, hey, what's going to be done for the man who kills this giant? And they said, well, first of all, his family no longer needs to pay any income tax. And secondly, he gets to marry the king's daughter and she's hot. And David says, like, I'm in. I'm in. So they bring it. <laughs> okay. So when David does that, I, I just want you to catch this. This is the part I want you to understand. David starts talking. But when he's talking, it's his faith that is speaking. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Since we have the same or the identical, you could actually translate it nowadays, they say carbon copy, spirit of faith. You can learn principles of faith, and it's good to know principles of faith. But the spirit of faith will not work just because you have the principles. And the spirit of faith is more caught than it is taught. Now, the spirit of faith literally is the most precious possession that a human being can have on this planet. And it doesn't have anything to do with your age. Moses had the spirit of faith when he was 80. David had the spirit of faith when he's 15. Nothing to do with your age. But there's principles that you should know, you need to know. But, but it's the spirit of faith that makes the difference. So the Bible says this over in uh, Romans chapter 10 in verse 6. It says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Right? So faith, what faith does is faith speaks. The righteousness of faith, what does it do? It speaks. 2 Corinthians 4, 13, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what's written, I believe, therefore I spoke. David wrote, I believe, therefore I spoke. Paul says, we also believe, therefore we speak. So what you believe is going to come out of your mouth. So it's important what comes out of your mouth. In fact, I remember when Jeannie and I, we were, I, I don't even know if we were married yet. But we, 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 we said, you know what? If I say something that I shouldn't, stop me. Just say, is that what you want? Is that what you're believing? And uh, we, were, we got that going back and forth. You know, you're not going to say what you're not believing for. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? So faith is speaking, and it doesn't say, who will ascend to bring Christ down? Let me put it another way. Somebody said, well, I know if Jesus was here and he would just touch me, I would be healed. Now, most people would say, well, they have faith. This verse says they don't have faith. It says the, that faith will not say, will not say, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? Who will get Jesus to show up for me? How many of you realize that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father? Right? He's given the church authority. He's given you authority to, to use his name. And when you use his name, it's the same as if Jesus is there. Listen, when, when Jeannie and I got married, um, she gave me $100 and a bicycle. 
That, that was her total assets. Uh, no debt. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, I, I had some money. I don't remember, $20,000, dollars or something in the bank. Now, the next day, the next day, she could have gone to the bank and just with a flick of the pen gotten everything I had, right? Because she now had my name. She now had my name. What did Jesus leave us? His, his name. 1 John 3, verse 23 says, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. You know, you ask most Christians, what's Jesus' commandment? Love one another. Well, you failed because you got a 50%. His commandment is that you believe in the name of his son and love one another. So there's one commandment with two parts, right? One part is believe in the name, and the other part is to love one another. So Jesus has given us his name. And we should not be demanding that Jesus show up personally. Jeannie doesn't need to take me to the bank. All she needs is my name, right? And the same thing is true with us as believers. We don't need Jesus to show up personally. We just need to believe in the name. And what is his commandment? That you believe in the the name and love one another. So the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it, faith, say? Faith is always saying something. It says the word is near you. Where is it? It's not far away from you. I know people who really, really believe if they could just get where certain people are, if they could just get by this evangelist, or they could just get to this Bible teacher, go see Joyce Meyer. She lives in Fenton, Missouri. If I could just get to Joyce, I know I'd get it. If I could just get where this person is or that person. But the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith, which we speak. One translation says, it's nearer than you think. It's nearer than you think. There is a miracle in your mouth. You've got to have it in your heart, speak it out of your mouth. So David is brought before the king. And this is what he said to the king. He said, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go and fight him. That's David's response. What's speaking? Faith. The spirit of faith is speaking. I'm going to do it. I will go and fight that Philistine. But Saul said to David, excuse me, David said to Saul, your servant, because the day Saul says, hey, you can't go. You're just a kid. And he said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and I struck him and I killed him. And your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he's defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Faith is speaking. He's talking. Saul says, you can't go. He says, I can go. 
When you stand in faith, there are always going to be people who are going to look at the circumstances and say, you cannot go. You're not old enough. You're not smart enough. You're not anointed enough. You don't have enough experience. They're going to tell you what you can't do. But Saul finally says, okay, go. So David, about 15 years old, he's got, a, he's got his shepherd's staff, and he's got his sling and a little pouch. And he goes down, and he goes to that little brook, and uh, he picks up, the Bible says, five smooth stones. I've been down in the brook, picked up the stones. I, I, found, out late, I found out later people have been doing it literally for centuries. And every so often, the tourist department brings another batch of stones and throws them in. <laughs> but they did come from the brook, but that wasn't where they were originally from. And they weren't very smooth anymore, neither. All right. But he's got five stones. You say, why does he have five? But he's afraid he's going to miss. Did you realize that Goliath has four brothers? I think he was ready for the whole bunch. Right? Somebody else said, well, those five stones represent the fivefold ministry. In Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says that he, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, five. And by the way, the, the kind of the way to remember it, the teacher, I, I say he's represented by your little finger, is the only one that will get inside your ear. The pastor is represented by your, your second finger where we have our wedding ring. You know, he'll love on you. He'll love on you. He'll take care of you. Yeah. The evangelist is represented by your middle finger, the farthest one. And the evangelist has the farthest reach, reaches outside, goes where nobody's gone before, takes the word where people haven't heard the word. The prophet, that's your pointing finger. Hey, you, John, what's up? That's what the prophet does. He's pointing. He'll, he'll give you the, this is what's going on. And then the, the, the apostle. He's represented by your thumb. It's interesting. He works with every one of the others. And he's the strongest of them all. Right? But he, he, he literally, he magnifies every one of the others when he gets involved, when he touches what they're doing. So he goes down, he grabs those five stones, and the Philistine sees him coming. And he's, to the Philistine, he looks, and he saw David, and the Bible says he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed him by his gods. Now, David is looking, but he's, he's, he's looking differently than the others. Everybody else heard and was fearful. David heard and got mad. Now, David heard and got mad. I'm going to say something here. A, a lot of times Christians think, oh, you're just supposed to just, oh, I just love everything and everybody. Look, no, 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 no. You're supposed to get mad. You're supposed to get mad at the devil. You're supposed to get mad at sin. You're supposed to get mad at the works of the devil. I'm telling you, you've got to hate sickness. You've got to hate disease. You've got to hate sin. You've got to hate what, the, what, what is happening today in the government of our nation. Right? You've got to hate it. You've got to have that. That's got to rise up on the inside of you. Right? I was listening to a friend. He was talking about this. He told this one lady, she said, well, you, you, need to, you need to stand against the devil. And she starts to pray. And she says, dear Mr. Devil. Now, that is not standing against the devil. Dear devil, please leave me alone. No, that is not standing against the devil. Right? You've got to take your authority. You've got to resist him. 
Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whose armies you have defiled. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you and take your head from you. In this day I will give the carcasses of the camps of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the world may know that there's a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword or spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Who's he believing is going to move on his behalf? God. And so it was when the Philistine arose and came near to meet David that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead. He fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in his hand. I want you to notice what David did. David ran towards the Philistine with his mouth working. His mouth is working. And when you run towards your giant, when you're facing your giant, make sure your mouth is working. You need to be speaking words of faith, speaking what God has said. Now, David takes that sword and he cuts off Goliath's head. Now, I know that Goliath was surprised when David even said anything. Hey, by the way, I don't think anybody had spoken back to Goliath since he was in third grade. Let me tell you something. Faith speaks to a giant, and it doesn't speak in fear. So then David, he cuts his head off. I want you to listen to verse 54. So David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. So David took his head and went to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is the town of the Jebusites the enemies of Israel. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what David did with his head at Jerusalem. But I want to tell you what I believe David did. He stood outside the walls, which were considered, it was considered impossible, impregnable walls. And he stood outside with the head of Goliath. And he shouted. And he said, This Philistine, this Goliath, this giant, was in the land of Israel where he did not belong. And I have just taken his life. You are in the land of Israel where you do not belong. And I'm giving you fair warning, you need to leave. Because the day's coming when I'm going to come and I'm going to kick you out. 20 years probably 22, and David becomes king of Israel. You know what the Bible says the very first thing that he did? He went to Jerusalem, to where the Jebusites were. He fought and he took the city when they said it was impossible. He says, the blind and the lame could keep you out of here. Your faith does not just see where you're at today. Your faith Sees where you're going to be down the road. I, I was talking uh, this week with, with several of our, our young pastors. And we we're talking about vision. 
I said, you know, when I became pastor here, we had a couple hundred people. We were behind on our mortgage payments. One month we would make the electric, pay the electric bill. The next month we were paying the gas bill. I talked to the, our, our, our people about getting out of debt. To them, just getting out of debt was huge. I talked to them about we're going to see a day when we see 10 people get saved every single week. And they couldn't believe that was even possible. But you know what I saw? I saw this place and I saw it full. I saw that 40 years ago. But I didn't tell everybody because they would have thought I was crazy. They would have thought I was crazy. But, but by faith, I knew where we were going then. Right? Your faith doesn't just see where you are today. Your faith sees where you're going. David, he first killed a lion. Then he killed a bear. And then he killed Goliath. And then he took the city of Jerusalem. Uh, The Bible doesn't tell us, but I think he probably first killed a fox and then a coyote. Before the lion and the bear. You you, you grow, you grow, you grow in your faith. I I was talking with a pastor and and his wife this week. We were talking about faith and, and faith growing. I said, when we became pastors of the church, the yearly budget, yearly budget of the church was less than the weekly budget is today. But you know what? That didn't happen in a day. It didn't happen in a day. You you, you grow in your faith, but your faith sees where you're going way before you ever get there. Now, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then the Lord said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. What were you created to have? Dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The 28th verse, the Lord blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said to man, subdue the earth. Some different translations say it this way, subjugate. Master the earth. Bring it under your control. Take control of it. Be its master. Conquer it. I want to just say something here. Uh, We have a segment of our population today that really almost worships the earth. They almost worship the earth. But the Bible tells us what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to subdue the earth. The earth is here for us. We're not here for the earth. And if you get that mixed up, you're just going to be mixed up. And you're going to, you're going to be doing all sorts of crazy things. God said, subjugate the earth. Master the earth. Bring it under your control. Take control of it. Be its master. Conquer. Conquer the earth. So you were created to have authority. Now, you're created to have authority over the earth. You have authority over Satan and demon power. Jesus said, Luke 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So you have authority over the earth. You have authority over Satan and demon power, right? But let me just say this. You do not have authority over people. Got that? Anytime one person 
takes authority over another person, it's wrong. Anytime one ethnicity takes authority over another ethnicity, it's wrong. No one has power over the spirit to restrain the spirit. Ecclesiastes 8, 8. No one has power over the spirit to restrain the spirit. You can't make somebody do something. Somebody said, well, I believe they're going to do this. You can't make them do something. You do not have authority over it. By the way, how many know God won't make you do anything? Right? Several of you. Look, if God was going to make you do something, he'd make every one of you tithe. How many of you know you've done things that God didn't want you to do? He didn't make you do something. If God was going to make people do something, listen, he would, he would literally make everybody get saved and go into the millennium in the morning. But God does not make people do something. The Spirit of God moves on people, but he doesn't make people do something. Um, years ago, uh, there, there was a, a woman in Texas, had a Bible school, right? And, and she, she, she literally wanted to marry a certain evangelist. Well, I suppose you could pray and say, God, you know, it would be nice. But, but she claimed him. She says, I claim him in Jesus' name. He's mine. Now, the problem was he was already married. So she cursed his wife and commanded her to die. You know what? We need to just take people like that. Give them a Bible, a flashlight, lock them in a closet for six months. I mean, it's just, you, you do not have authority over people. You can't make somebody else like you. You can't make somebody else love you. Hey, if you're married, you can't make somebody stay with you. I mean, you know that. You can't make people do something. Uh, what faith does, faith believes the promises that God has given us. Faith responds to what God has done. Faith does not make God do anything. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2. Excuse me. 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to get it right. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what needs to be multiplied? The knowledge as his divine power has given, past tense, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now listen to this fourth verse. By which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. What has God given us? Exceeding great and precious promises. This is, these are things that God has done for us. And he's given us promises. Now, what faith does is it sees that promise, and it says, I believe that promise, and I receive that promise. Faith does not make God do something that he has not done. I remember somebody saying, well, I, I was praying for my city. And I said, God, if you love my city half as much as I do, we'd have revival. You better know your, God loves this, your city more than you do. You're not going to make God do something, right? So he's given to us exceeding great and precious promises. So what the Bible does, or excuse me, what faith does, is it responds to the promise that God has given. 
But it doesn't make God do something because he's already provided for us, has given us. It's done through what Christ did. Every one of those promises see its fulfillment through what Christ did for us. So you can't make God do something and you can't unbelieve the Bible. I mentioned, I was reading my notes. I started laughing this morning and my assistant came in and said, what are you laughing about? Well, years ago, uh, I was doing some pre-marriage counseling. I had this young couple in. And uh, they said, well, we're not going to have any kids for 10 years. And I said, well, good, you know, I'm glad you're, you know, what type of birth control are you considering different types? And, and they said, no, 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 we just say we're not going to have any. We just believe we're not going to have any kids. And I said to them, I said, you can't do that. And they said, well, we just believe that. And I says, I don't care what you believe. I said, the Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. I said, you sow, you're going to reap. They said, oh, no, Pastor, we're not having any kids for 10 years. Two years later, <laughs> your parents, your parents, you know. <laughs> so, so, so here's what I, I, I truly believe this, all right? Most of us, I, I'm going to go farther. I think all of us live way under our rights and privileges that we have in Christ. We live way under our rights and privileges. I, I heard in the early 1900s about a man who was living in Europe and he wanted to get to the United States. He saved and he saved and he saved. And he finally got enough money to buy passage on an ocean liner. He just had enough money. He had a little bit left over. He bought some crackers. It's a 10-day trip at that time across the Atlantic to get here. And he's going across every day. He's eating a few of his crackers. He's looking in the dining room. Everybody's in there. And how many have been on a cruise? You know what this is like. Ooh, you know, they feed you. Right? He's, he's eating his crackers. He's looking at all those people in there. They're just about to get to the harbor. It's been 10 days, and the captain sees him up on the deck. And he says, I hope you've enjoyed the trip. He says, I noticed I never saw you in the dining room. He said, well, he said, the truth is, I, I didn't have enough money for anything except a ticket. And I, I bought a couple boxes of crackers, and, and I've been eating them. And the captain looked at him and said, you didn't know? All the food you can eat is included in the price of the ticket. And he went, oh, I think that's where a lot of Christians are. There is so much Jesus has purchased for us, but we're living way under our rights and our privileges. The Bible says he's provided all things that pertain to life and godliness and that he always leads us in triumph in Christ. Hey, as you've been watching today, I'm so glad that you've joined us. And I want to ask a simple question. Do you know for sure that you're right with God? that you're on your way to heaven. The Bible says we've written these things that you may know that you have everlasting life. Often I ask, do you know? And they say, well, I hope so. I'm trying. But Jesus said this. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying he is the only way anyone gets right with God. He's saying all of the good things I could do could never make me right with God. All the good things you could do could never make you right with God. But he is the way. So the Bible says, whosoever, that's you, that's me.
will call on the name of the Lord. Now, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is the promise, we'll be saved. When we pray this prayer, when we call on his name, the way the Bible shows us, the Bible says we're going to be saved. Now, that means we're going to be forgiven. That means we're going to be a part of God's kingdom forever and ever. So I'm going to ask you, pray this prayer with me out loud. Make these words your own. Just pray and say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive him as my savior and as my king. And I'm going to live for him. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you're right with God. And we have a book that we've written to help you keep on growing spiritually. We want to give it to you free of charge. All the information is right there on your screen. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, congratulations. You are making one of the best decisions of your life. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all of these things on our app. This book is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. It's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empowers them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessing upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. Thanks for watching today. We'd love to get to know you better. By scanning the QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, read our weekly devotional, follow us on social media. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. If you want to experience the power of faith in your life, I encourage you to start speaking life, start speaking hope, start speaking love, start speaking the things that you want to see happen, and watch what God does. We'll see you again next time.